Good people, Isaac Cooper here. Welcome to the new segment at the Planning Podcast that we call our Hot 15. This is where we take a break from the full show and give you some quick, relevant, and interesting information you should be thinking about. Let's get into it. Whenever you speak to someone that's wealthy, and I mean wealthy in a way of resources, multiple streams of income, the type of personal wealth we discussed in the last episode, there's going to be some items they have in common in which we'll get to. I was just on a panel discussion for a Fortune 500 company, and they asked, how do you define wealth? And my response was my best response in the last 10 years, in which, in my opinion, it's the same way you spell love. T-I-M-E. Being able to do what you want, when you want, how you want, regardless of the dollar amount, which in turns really boils down to being able to to have the resources to control your time. So going back to our wealthy folks, when talking about money, it's typically not how do I make money? That's not the focus. It's actually the easy part. The question is, how do I avoid taxes? In this episode, we're going to talk specifically about the compensation for college football coaches and some of the unique ways they get paid, which may be a surprise for most. So now the conversation or even the curiosity around how much coaches are paid, in my opinion, grew legs when the, what was that, the NIL, name, image, and likeness policy started to become more of a, uh, we'll just say real conversation over the last few years. One of the unique aspects about working with households and uh, and or professionals at every tax bracket, uh, even including institutions like colleges and universities, is that we not only get to help and guide them on designing solutions, um, but we're also able to see what's been done historically. Like what, what, how, how did y'all used to do this? So let's jump into how college, I'll just say colleges and universities, public and private, right? Like how do they work? So if we're gonna get into the compensation of these football coaches, how do these colleges and universities work? So with public colleges and universities, all of their salaries are actually funded by taxpayers. <laughs> they fund they, they directly come from state taxes that's why students uh, or residents who decide to remain in state usually that cost of attendance is uh, lower or the cost of college is lower um, or say cheaper uh, not necessarily because your taxes help pay for the education but ultimately public universities state taxes is where a bulk of their um, income is going to come from uh, now, one may be saying, now, I don't want all my tax dollars going towards their paycheck. Well, well, that's a good point. We do have to account for any type of student fees, alumni donations, uh, and, of course, revenue gathered from ticket sales and television contracts. Private colleges and universities is pretty much the um, uh, same priorities, different, different sources, right? They're funded through private donations, alumni contributions, ticket sales, and TV contracts. Now, keep in mind, with both public and private, there's also that possibility for those dollars to pay for coaches' bonuses, uh, school payments on their leased homes or cars, uh, or even, you know, they can put some towards that retirement package. So that's just a little bit of context there. USA Today actually released some, some numbers. Now, some of these numbers may have you uh, in the backyard drawing up on a cue card saying that, hey, I'm about to, about to start 
start coaching. I need to change my career. <laughs> but again, we're going to get into, I yes, this is what they're compensated, but as you said, it's a bit unique on how they get paid, and we'll get into that. Seven of the coaches are making uh, more than $7 million a year, college coaches. 21 earn at least $5 million, 37 top $4 million, and the top 50 all exceed $3 million. 86 head college football coaches collect paychecks upwards, worth upwards of uh, a million dollars. So, again, like I said, y'all, y'all may be thinking about a career change at this point, but let's look into these this top six. Uh, so, for those who know and follow the Planning Podcast, y'all know we're here in Birmingham, Inslee specifically, um, Alabama. And so, uh, I did go to Sanford University, uh, go Bulldogs, but uh, leading the number one is Nick Saban. So, I'm going to give y'all a good old road tie. <laughs> good old Nick Saban at Alabama at $9.7 million. Uh, We got Ed LSU at $9 million. David Shaw, Stanford, 8.9. Dabo Sweeney, 8.3. Lincoln Riley, 7.6. Dan Millen, Florida, 7.5. Right? So these are these are the, essentially the um, the results of this survey. Now, listen to these buyout numbers. So the buyout numbers for several coaches are just as mind-boggling as those salaries. So we got good old Saban if he was taken away from another school. And I think this is before his most recent contract, which was $38 million. Dabo Sweeney, it was $47.5 million. Um, th- look at Jimbo Fisher's contract. So he's under con- contract until the end of 2031. So his buy-in is $98.5 <laughs> right? So considering these numbers – it's very important for the university and the college to protect their investment. So how does one structure a contract that pays the coach the most amount of money that is tax efficient and flexible for us as the employer and as the employee? Again, going back to that tax word again. So how does all of this work? Now I got to get, I got to go in and just lay this groundwork in my personal opinion. I'm all about, of, of course, folks getting paid. That's why we got the planning podcast, uh, especially what they deserve. Uh, and I've been coached by amazing men and fathers in which I, I you know, playing ball, multiple sports. So they play a vital role. I, I, I actually call them substitute fathers and mothers regard, depending upon the sport. Um, and which I'm grateful of. And I know they would say the same, but in the same breath, uh, as we get into the conversations, we know that the players are the foundation to this whole equation because they created so much wealth in college sports because they um, they were only compensated in the form of scholarships um, and which then creates more money to go towards other priorities and per- and or personnel. So that's why I'm glad about this name, image and likeness movement and on how that has been able to evolve, because it will um, just create more ways for these athletes that sacrifice not only their time, but also their body um, uh, in ways that can allow them to have more of a long-term future. uh, That's not just predicated off that, off that particular sport. All right, let's get back to, get back to it. All right, cool. So what's so special about this? You said that, you know, they're getting paid through it's, it's unique. What is it? All right, folks, these coaches are being paid through, Drum roll, please. Bitcoin. No, I'm just playing. Life insurance. <laughs> it's just it's life insurance. And probably at some point, Bitcoin may get into the equation, but it's life insurance. Um, now, keep in mind, 
this is not a product. This is a strategy. This is not a life insurance play. I could care less on um, the different types of insurance. I want to make sure folks have the right amount. This is not a, um, uh, a podcast to talk about life insurance or even to try to facilitate or recommend it. I'm just talking about the strategy. So prime example, let's look at old Jimmy, Jim Harborough. I always have a tough time saying his left lane, so we're going to call him Coach, Coach J. His contract as the head coach of the Michigan Wolverines was uh, structured at $5 million a year. But Michigan said, all right, you know what? We're actually going to establish a life insurance policy as part of his benefits. So they loaned him $4 million to start the policy and then $2 million for the following five years. This gives them the ability to leverage his policy so he can take loans out without incurring, oh, what's that term again? Income tax, which back at that tax term again, uh, like I said, wealthy people focus on more on avoiding taxes, avoiding taxes rather than making money. So as long as Coach Harbor keeps his, Coach Jim, I feel like I said it wrong again, as long as Coach Jim <laughs> keeps his policy in force, he does not have to repay the loan from the school until he passes on, which means whatever that premium costs for that insurance each year, as long as that is paid, and again, we don't know what that amount is, as long as that is paid, he will not have to pay that loan back. Ultimately, he would have not have to pay the close to $14 million that he received in the form of a loan, any income tax on those proceeds, if he keeps that policy in place by paying the premiums, um, that 14 million income would not be taxed. And when he passes away, a portion of the death benefit will pay off the amount of the loans. Again, the portion, not all of it, which means that there is more money to go towards other initiatives. Once again, this is not a product. This is a strategy. So this is what we, I would say you would call a win-win. This is the school has a pretty much a near guarantee to receive their money back. <laughs> They've been, been able to secure Coach J as a coach. And then coach gets the benefit of the policy. Right. And so, of course, there's going to be some stipulations in the contract, as there should be. Uh, so if he leaves his coaching position before the contract is up, he will have to repay the premiums loaned to him upon the termination or resignation. Keep in mind, this is not a product. This is a strategy. How so, Isaac? Well, this actually paved the way for other coaches. Like who? Uh, Clemson. Dabo Sweeney. He actually included insurance in, in regards of his contract. So how does all this work? Just, just a quick overview. The framework is essentially a split dollar arrangement. Uh, and that's ultimately what it means. You, you split or share elements of the life insurance policy which is the cash value and the death benefit between two parties, right? So you got the coach and then you have the university. So the coach, they receive the tax advantages of using the life insurance policy to supplement any retirement income and protect their family's estates. The university, they get a cost efficient way to compensate the coach in a tax efficient and economically effective manner, which just, just means they're using the most um, effective dollar to have the most uh, impact, right? So what what is the cheapest dollar to have the biggest impact? And, and again, there's so many aspects to that. Um, to where all ultimately all the premiums will be paid by the university are eventually paid back in full, right? Either if that coach leaves, the coach is going to have to legally pay them back or when he passes away, he'll have the things and not only pay it back and some. 
So like with LSU and Penn State, these universities are um, loaning premiums in, in actually for both coaches in cases at a million dollars per year for an insurance policy that the coaches own. Later, the universities are reimbursed at either the policy's cash value or death benefit. Again, this is a uh, this is not a product. This is a strategy. So as we look into the ways in which you should manage your money, your cash flow is always interesting to see how other entities um, use the tools that they have at their um, uh, possession. Right. So life insurance plans are not just for high profile college coaches. Uh, they're actually just they're they're very effective planning, recruiting and retaining strategies used in for profit and not for profit organizations. So for universities and nonprofit organizations, that split dollar plan uh, is attractive because they avoid the 21 percent excise tax. Going back to that tax, they avoid that 21 percent excise tax on compensation over a million dollars. And this excise tax, of course, can affect prominent leader roles. So like presidents of universities, head of major foundations, head of a hospital, healthcare organization, CEO of credit unions. Um, and, and then, of well, insurance is a, is a strategy that has been utilized for years. It's just not a, uh, an attractive strategy. And it's typically only done by those um, in certain tax brackets. Right. So Walt Disney used his cash value to fund Disneyland. Stanford was able to keep his doors open during the panic in 1893, thanks to life insurance. J.C. Penney funded uh, their payroll through insurance when the stock market crashed in 1929. So there's dozens of examples of success with utilizing life insurance as a strategy. You just got you just got to know, just got to be in the know. Um, so hopefully this has been a good use of your time. Uh, just a quick way to highlight how coaches are are. Um, paid and, and, and compensated, but also how public and private colleges and universities function. Um, as you know, make sure you subscribe, share this with a friend. Stay planning. Hall of Famer Deion Sanders says, if you look good, you play good. Here at the Planning Podcast, we believe that proper money management is important. And we also know that being financially fit represents the way in which you live. Now, just by listening to this podcast, you are part of the movement. And one of the most critical aspects of this is the way in which we spell planning. The A is replaced with the delta sign. And those that are familiar with mathematics, delta represents change. A very consistent thing that we noticed that regardless of the objective, big or small, if you want any change to occur for the better, you're gonna have to start planning. Be sure to check out our merchandise at www.stayplanning.com, S-T-A-Y-P-L-A-N-N-I-N-G. We'll see you there.